Hey everybody, welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean Ray, and I wanted to jump in here at the beginning of the episode to let you know that what you're about to hear is a little bit different from our usual format, because on June 25th through the 28th, which as I'm recording this, today is June 28th, our network, CosmicPotatoNetwork.com, hosted a virtual convention that we called At Home Con. Uh, we put it together because most of the conventions that we go to were being canceled due to the pandemic caused by COVID-19, and we really missed getting together and doing all the panels and the games that we do every year. So with At Home Con, we invited con panelists and podcasters to come over to our group page and host live streams that people could participate in via chat. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be bringing you the audio of some of those streams as episodes of our podcast. I left everything the way that it was live And at the end of the show, you're going to hear us talk about the schedule of some of the panels that are coming up. And I left it that way because if you go to the At Home Con group page on Facebook, you can still watch those live streams. That's where they live, and they're not going to be going anywhere anytime soon. This particular panel is a discussion that I've really wanted to have for a while. I wanted to talk about the Watchmen TV series from HBO. Uh, So, Rick... John, Scott, and myself, along with Boz from the Little Pot of Horrors and Matthew Carroll from the Stranded Panda Network, uh, we all got together and we chatted about what we loved about this series. I'm going to warn you, there are spoilers, so if you haven't watched the series yet, then you need to go and check it out. And as I'm recording this, which I said is June 28th, 2020, that series is available for you to watch for free on Hulu and HBO Max. So go and check that out uh, while it's still available for free. So enjoy this discussion and be sure to come back over the next several weeks to hear more of what we had available during at HomeCon. Go to the group, join the group, and uh, watch those streams. Maybe next year you'll be able to join us. All right, that's enough talking. Thanks for being here. I'm going to go ahead and play the theme music and get the show started. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. We've got you covered with everything from Marvel to Star Wars. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Classic films, trivia games, and beyond. Come to the coast, we get together, have a few laughs. Now, on with the show. Keep the change, you filthy animal. We have to wait for Boz because he's in the future. 
He's in the future. Then shouldn't he be waiting for us? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. We'll be there in six hours. <laughs> or five hours for most of you guys. <laughs> Can you convert that to metric? No. I was promised there would be no math. It's 15 megajoules, I believe. <laughs> mm. Seven args. Point 21 gigawatts. <laughs> Rick, were you laughing at the arms, or was that unrelated? No, I was Mother laughing water. at you. Yeah, you oh. joke, yeah. Thank and you. then and then at the one point twenty one gigawatts. Are you drinking Diet Mountain Dew? Yes. Have I rubbed off on you that, that much? <laughs> no, it was uh, uh It was on I, sale. No, when I first actually started trying to lose weight um late last year. My my office, the break room, has uh, has a drink machine, and this is one of the offerings. And I'd always avoided it because I was like, "Diet Mountain Dew, like, there's no way." Um, but it was a good combination of zero calories and the caffeine I needed to get me through the day. So now I'm addicted. Thanks. Yeah, the the, the yeah. taste and the taste does kind of grow on you. People say <laughs> it's gross when the first you can drink. pass through solid objects. <laughs> yeah, and glow in the dark. I actually don't drink it that much. I, I, Coke Zero is my go-to. I'm so. drinking regular Mountain Dew tonight, just because. Y'all, uh, y'all ever have Jolt Cola? Conscious. I've had it. Have yeah. Jolt Cola. Jolt. When I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, pretty sure that's banned in DC. <laughs> my my <laughs> my mom. Be. I bought it one time when I was a kid because my mom didn't know what it was. <laughs> my, my big. Best memory, well, best is probably not the right term, but uh, I left a, a, a set model. We used, you know, for, for scenic design, sometimes you build scale models of the set you're designing. Um, and yeah. I had left one for the last minute. Literally, it was due the next morning, and I had only, I hadn't even done half of it. And uh, so I, you know, went out to the garage at like six o'clock with a two liter bottle of Jolt Cola and a big Bacto knife. And what I turned in next the next day was technically a set model. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was it was appalling, and I literally was like, <laughs> "Yeah, and you were you were wait for the next four days." <laughs> yeah. You could see time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could hear colors. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, double the sugar and twice the caffeine. I think is their slogan. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I I'm the guy that can fall asleep halfway through a can of Rockstar or any other given energy drink. I'm the, I'm the same way. I don't I, drink. I, and I, I can't, can't drink energy either. drinks. I just don't like to take, I have not tasted a single <laughs> energy drink that I thought was good. I, can I tasted with, a Red Bull once and I can still feel it in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I can deal with the taste. It just, it's, it's too, like there's no, that I've discovered anyway. Uh, caffeine basically has no effect on me anymore. It's like I'm the same way. I can like it's complete. I'm I'm immune to it. Um, but the energy drinks just make make me jittery. So there's got to be some. I'm sure there's some special herbal blend of roots and nuts and teas and berries that like <laughs> the perfect level for me. But I have yet to uh, discover it or want to put any effort to do so. You're not going to find that in a Red Bull, that's for sure. That's- for, me, <laughs> for me, it's Adderall. I just started that a few months ago, and that has been good. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know if they even still make it anymore, but Viverin got me through both college and Air Force tech school. 
Yeah, how I, I still have I kidneys. That, I don't know. You don't know if they still make uh, uh, pills made of pure caffeine. Yeah, I think those are around somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, you can buy caffeine pills. I, I when I used yeah. to do that uh, that job at the traffic management center, I I kept a bottle of caffeine pills in my, in my bag. So no dos. Yeah, no dos. Yeah, there's all sorts of uh, truck stop. Brand name. <laughs> it's like the the very the very sleep, special uh, the very special episode of Saved by the Bell where Jesse got it was supposed to be their drug oh, episode, God. but she she was just taking caffeine pills. <laughs> That's as hardcore as Saved by the Bell could get was caffeine <laughs> <Yeah>. pills. <laughs> That's so silly. <laughs> yeah, Family so Ties. They, they 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 took it all the way on Family Ties where. Uh, uh, Michael J. Fox was uh, getting addicted to diet pills, which is speed. Yeah, mm. yeah. And then oh, he yeah. slept through the test, and then he couldn't find the door, and it was heart wrenching. <laughs> hey, Sean, are you seeing this uh, on, on the the home con? Chris posted a suggestion. Oh yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I'll probably do that uh, tonight when we get done. Okay. Uh, it's not mm. something I even thought about oh. doing. How is Chris not on any of these shows yet, or did he do one and I missed it? He was working today. Oh, okay. It's it's actually Friday. Yeah, today's Friday. Forgetting. (laughs) So, but yeah, he's doing he's doing a quantum leap panel tomorrow. That's right. He he has a he's one of those folks that actually. Yeah, he works in the medical field. This just goes to show that that my devotion is stronger than Chris's because I took. Uh, yesterday and today off for this event. <laughs> I took today off, not yesterday. What's up, boss? Am I the only one who didn't do a, like a costume change between sets? I'm wearing the same shirt I've been wearing all day, <laughs> even though even though I had the most time. <laughs> no, I've, I've had been the most like, time. I've, I've actually been off for the last four hours. So, was... <laughs> yeah, I, my I've been my off plan the last was 10. to change my shirt between every show, and then uh, mm, there, there was I ended one. up being on. I, I, huh? I had one where I didn't I, I didn't get the chance to to change my shirt between between shows, um, so th- there are two pod, two panels today where back to back where I wore the same shirt. Otherwise, I've changed the shirt and the backdrop every single time. That's commitment. Yeah, I have I have I like seen it. your your backdrops changing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and I was gonna watch the. Um, Masters of the Universe uh, Jeopardy game while I was cooking dinner, and then my the phone and my battery died. So, <laughs> so I was like, "Well, I, just, I guess I'll just have to watch it later." But that was good. I just watched that. I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to looking back on the stuff I missed. I I, I napped. I'm not gonna lie. I think, <laughs> so did I. <laughs> I. I did my show, and then I went to sleep, and then I woke up, and my wife's like, "Did you order the pizza?" I'm like, "What?" So, uh, so I had to make a run and get the pizza. Yeah, <laughs> that, social, social distance, social distancing pizza retrieval, <laughs> and then my nephew, nephew-in-law, yeah, nephew, uh, had an inexplicably late birthday party celebration, like from like nine to ten. Or nine to ten. Yeah, like what? Two hundred family members in the in, within like five miles of you. It seems he's no, from the south. They're, they're, they're I mean, not he's within from the south. Me. That's... They're not within <laughs> close to me. It was, it was a Zoom birthday party. Oh, oh okay. I've got a thousand uh, family members that live close to me. I I don't 
see very many of them very often. <laughs> Technically, the uh, I was still at the birthday party uh, when I caught the caught the tail end of the um, sci-fi court, which is great. I, I love that show. I, I, I'm looking forward to watching that one. Yeah, we got to get Joe to come back on Cosmic Potato and do that again sometime soon. Yeah. There was a dude named Gary Mitchell on the panel. Was he's been he, on the show before. He's been on our show. I thought so. I said I, I said I've met you before, and he's like, no, I, I was I was never on your show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> he's, we weren't doing video back then, but yeah, he he's been on the Star Trek show at least twice. That's you what are I quite thought. Forgettable, Rick. <laughs> it's, it's a curse. I, I blend in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Brandon says he would have family parties monthly with about a hundred people. Yeah, we do that. I like your your uh, red acoustic foam, by the way. It's it's a bit Heath Robinson, isn't it? I need to what do something a bit more pretty for tomorrow. <laughs> now, that's Dave, by the way, behind me. He's oh, okay. <laughs> he has my back. So it's a long story. <laughs> it involves lockdown and cosplay, but I won't go into it now. <laughs> and it's you're just you're building it up now so that you have to tell the story because you, you're, mm-hmm. you're fine with these got my back but now you get it check off's gun there exactly well okay then um basically just before lockdown i discovered my new sport and i managed to go to one session one training session and then lockdown happened so to sort of cope with my new excitement with it and channel the energy properly i built dave so Dave is for me to smack the living hell out of with a lightsaber. Um, he's made of old sofa foam and packing tape, and he's tied to a clothes rack, which I bought to use to mount my soundproofing on. So now it's a dual-purpose soundproof rack and lightsaber target. That then became a, oh, I need a costume if I'm going to play with lightsabers. So I thought I'd armor, paint my fencing mask, all that kind of stuff. And then I realized, actually, I want a display costume and I want a combat costume. So I have two complete outfits that I have created <laughs> spending hours over this lockdown. Yeah. Show, show me the pictures. Do you have the picture on your, on your computer? Um, you, can, you can share the screen. It's, it's fucking awesome. Do you know what? I haven't on this computer. <laughs> Annoyingly. Oh, are, oh, are we live? Should I, yeah, should we're I live. not be swearing? I'm sorry. Uh, that that swear. was a long story, and it was completely worth it. Nobody's yeah, going to. Uh, nobody's going to show up and uh, arrest you for swearing. Who's? It's at home con <laughs> late night. Like uh-huh. Yeah, no one told me about like the swearing bit. I, well, I always try to behave myself on Sean's shows because I'm I'm a absolute potty mouth on my own shows, but I try to like, you know. You met me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had an arrangement earlier on Captain Game I'm, Show. Yeah, and, and John handled it brilliantly because I warned him. You know, I'm a potty mouth, and he's like. Yeah, okay. Um, but we're going to have a swear jar. You swear, I give a point to your enemies. It's like, yeah. oh! It's like, that is it. Yeah. It applies to everyone. It wasn't specifically targeted to him. Everybody, think, everybody thinks that I, that I care about swearing a lot more than I really do, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and and well, technically, the, the, the uh, profanity that you use is profanity that I allow on the show, but somebody, <laughs> somebody called it out. I was like, well, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, and sorry, sorry for leaving you in the lurch, John. I, I uh, no, no, it's fine. It was it was unavoidable. Honestly, it was forty sixty that I would be on this panel tonight and not just stay asleep. So <laughs> I'm right there with you. I totally understand. All right, so tonight we're talking about uh, 
Watchmen. I'm calling this panel. We watched the Watchmen. And uh, we're, we're going to spend the next hour or so talking about the critically acclaimed HBO series Watchmen. Before we do, we'll all introduce ourselves. So I'm Sean Ray. I am the host of Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast and Star Trek All Access. And uh, we'll go in counterclock. Uh, no, we'll go in clockwise order. Excuse me. So, Matt. <laughs> ah, me. Okay. Uh, I'm Matthew Carroll. I'm from the Stranded Panda Network. And uh, we, I have a podcast called Who Watched the Watchmen? Um, so, so, very similarly titled to what we're doing right now. So, we are uh, the answer. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we watched the Watchmen. So, we finally finally answered after months of that question being our name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also do music. Uh, I have a, a geek band called The Garage that does geek themed music. So, yeah, that's me. All right. Scott? Uh, I am Scott Madison. I'm the host of The Prime Direction. Uh, which is another show right here on the Cosmic Potato Network. I appear uh, somewhat frequently on other shows on this network, and this is my seventh podcasting panel today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's my fifth. (laughs) All right. Uh, Rick? (coughs) This is my fifth, too. Should have been a lot more, but that's a (laughs) long, unpleasant story. Hi, I'm Rick. Uh, I am the host of Starbase 66 and Open the Iris uh, and various other shows over at the Infinite Diversity Network, where you can find us at starbasecommand.net. I also am part of Cosmic Potato, which is a joy and an honor, and I'm off on Captain Game Show, and uh, I'm here to talk about The Watchmen. All right, John? John Irons, uh, host of Captain Game Show, co-host of various other shows on Cosmic Potato. Uh, that's pretty much all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> He's eternally sleepy. Uh, well, <laughs> just when I'm broadcasting. Because, because <laughs> broadcasting is what I fit into my own time after all my other obligations. But yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, I'm also... Consequently, not by design, but uh, but uh, often uh, the diversification aspect of the podcast. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> and he has a lovely singing voice. Thank you. True. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, boss. Um, I I can't screen share because I'd have to reboot Chrome. So I'm going to do this. Oh yeah, nice. that's sweet. That's the outfit. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. So yeah, other than spending too much time playing with EVA foam, glue, and paint. Um, I occasionally, <laughs> about three times a year currently, do a podcast <laughs> called The Little Pod of Horrors. Um, <laughs> we keep, I keep promising it will get more current, but yeah, um, that's it at the moment. I, I do that on the Legion Podcasting Network, which is a more horror-leaning network. Um, I also do a little show on there occasionally with my good buddy Court from the Cinema PsyOps podcast. Some people might know that. Um, we do a show called Bullshit Artists as well. So there you go. Okay. Um, okay, so IMDb says, Watchmen is a 2019 HBO series set in an alternate history where masked vigilantes are treated as outlaws. Watchmen embraces the, the nostalgia of the original groundbreaking graphic novel of the same name while attempting to break new ground of its own. Uh, and it's a sequel to the comic, not the film. Um have all of you guys read? Did you guys ever read the original comic? Oh yeah, yeah. Back yeah. in the day, I read it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how did y'all feel about the Zack Snyder film? Long and boring, but a, a faithful adaptation. Yeah. 
yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was fine. I I wanted. I I get why they switched the. Do we want big to scheme? That? The big scheme, I guess we'll call it. Oh yeah, um, we're, yeah there there are spoilers. We're spoiling the show. We watched The Watchmen, and we're going to talk about it. So, well, but uh, but are we going to spoil the comic? No, I don't need to spoil it. I mean, if, if you, you you should know what I'm talking. Like, it, is, it is a major change from the, you know from what they were planning, from what the big plan was in yeah. the comic to what they. I don't really it. think we can talk about the series without spoiling the comic. Yeah, the, the show spoils the comic. So yeah, yeah, yeah. just a bit. Yeah. Okay, good. yeah, I just, just wanted to be. <laughs> Um, yeah. So that's it's not even a complaint, but that's probably most disappointing is that they didn't go. With it. But I, was, I mean, I also get why it's a lot easier to explain and mm-hmm. probably cheaper <laughs> to produce. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, but I, I thought the film was fine. Yeah, I, I thought I thought Rorschach was especially spot on perfect. Um, that's another cosplay I made a few years ago. <laughs> um, my my absolute favorite line in the comic, which was perfectly done in the movie as well, which is, "Oh yeah, what happened? Whatever happened to that guy? Oh, he tried down Rorschach and he dropped him down an elevator shaft." <laughs> Still one of my favorite lines in anything. So, I love that character. One of my favorite lines in any film is also a Rorschach line. You're all chopped in here with me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I'm not. Great. Yeah. I'm not in here with you. You're in here with me. Yeah, we can just Jackie, say that a lot at work. Yeah, Jackie Earl Haley did a great job in the movie. Did an mm-hmm. absolutely uh, wonderful performance. Uh, overall, uh, the the film has a you know very high production value. It's very slick. That's something that Zack Snyder is very good at is making a film that looks really nice, um, and it is by and large. Uh, nicely faithful to uh, the original comic, except for the parts where it's really, really, really not. Yeah. Um, when I heard that they were going to make a series of Watchmen at first, I was like, uh, because I thought that they were just going to redo. They, it was going to be a retelling of the same story, you know, mm-hmm. which I would have been okay with because if they had done a mini series adaptation of the comic that uh, took the, the changes that were made in the movie and pulled them back to line up with the comic to make it an even more comic accurate uh, adaptation into live action. I still would have been okay with that. It would have been a little tired, but, but fine. Yeah. But I feel like if they had it done as as a series, they would have kept all that pirate ship stuff in as to, yeah, (laughs) that's the only part. That's the only part of the comic that I didn't really like (laughs) that, 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 that whole aspect of it just kind of, when I go back and read it now, I skip over all that stuff. I, I may have scan read those parts as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You take those parts in, and then you find a way to adapt the excerpts from the uh, from the prose that they mm. put between every issue. You find a way to adapt that into live action. You film that too. If well, you're going to make a, a, a series adaptation of the adaptation, not a sequel, but an adaptation of the original comic, mm. you go all the way. You put everything on the screen. Did mm. any of you Isn't guys there read a, an extra on the DVD of the black? Schooner, what what is that that whole the, thing called? The Black Freighter. It it's was like a yeah, motion comic, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, depending on what DVD set that you get, um, they've either worked the the scenes from that animation back into the movie, um, or uh, that motion comic can be purchased separately on its own disc. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. You were going to say something. Oh, I was going to say, did any of you watching the show that we're talking about here? Uh, did any of you read the PDpedia? Mm-mm. 
No, not much. That, a, that a little bit, but not a lot of it. <laughs> I highly yeah. recommend it. Uh, after every episode of the show, they released just like they do in the book, in the comic, how they have like two or three pages of prose at the end. They released it's the files of Agent Petey investigating the stuff that is currently going on. And it, mm. it's, it, it goes deeper into the world. You kind of get an answer to who Lube Man is. You get like all these like weird connections that I really enjoyed. Oh, yeah. I felt like that was the only kind of untouched thread. That so yeah, I, I feel free to spoil that because I would like to know. Do you, well, do you guys want to know? It's the it's the very last thing you find out. In, I in the, yeah, I'm spo- fine with it. Spoiler alert for the Pedipedia. <laughs> well, no, uh, Rick absolutely loves it when you have to read something to support a TV show or movie. So, <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead. Right. <laughs> well, I didn't. I thought it worked amazingly on its own, but if you read it, there's all this cool stuff in there. But the last thing you find out. Everything is from Petey's perspective. It's like co- things collected by Petey. And the very last piece of paper in the Petypedia is a folder uh, that is about Agent Petey and how he's on the run because they discovered a, bu- a, a costume and a bunch of lubricant in his office. So it turns out Petey is Lube Man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, now, what, okay, refresh so my memory because it's been a couple of months since I went. Who is Lube Man? He's, he's in, only in just one scene. Yeah. But she turns and sees him like just, just all in black. Silver. Uh, like a, silver. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and she starts to chase him and he runs. <laughs> and he lubes himself up. Oh, right, running. right. And he goes down and the suit. Okay, slides yeah. down the tour. Yeah. And okay, they right. never explain it at all. It's just like the, <laughs> just a one-off scene that... Vigilante? Is he a villain? Is he just I, like... Is it just his you, kink? You can tell by his writings that he's fascinated with costume heroes, so I guess he's trying to come up with his own persona. Mm-hmm. But like they don't, they don't go into it at all. It's just the very last thing you see is, or the very last thing you read is that Petey's they discovered his identity as a uh, as as Lube Man. It's a little crazy. <laughs> so Lindelof, I, he gets a lot of flack for his method of storytelling because sometimes the way that he paints, he paints an unfinished picture. And he fills in missing That's pieces. Being diplomatic. Yeah. <laughs> well, he fills in missing pieces by showing flashbacks, and he even tells someone else's story. Uh, and the main story will continue in the background sometimes. And uh, he did that a lot with Lost. Uh, but I think that Lost kind of fell apart because he tried to wrap everything up. But in this, we don't really know if there's going to be a season two or not. Right. In this. They just he just stops telling the story, you know. So he doesn't have to wrap everything up because he can just end it, and <laughs> and it works for his his kind of storytelling. But I, uh, I have to say, I was not, you know, I I have piled a lot of recriminations on Lindelof's shoulders over the you know since two thousand nine <laughs> when when uh, Star Trek happened. Um, this series makes me I'm not going to retract everything because I think he still did some questionable things to some Prometheus is still unforgivable I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) you know I'm most more upset about the fact that I dared to hope Prometheus would be good than the fact that it wasn't but uh, actually I haven't seen it I've never seen it yeah you don't need to (laughs) (laughs) 
It is the most beautiful failure I've ever seen. Yeah. (laughs) Ridley Scott can still paint a pretty picture, but it's not worth looking behind the the canvas. (laughs) And that's a tortured metaphor for you, folks. (laughs) When when this season wrapped, um, I I almost took everything back I'd said about him as well, because when I saw his name initially, I was like, this is going to be a dumpster fire again. And to tell those stories of those characters and have pretty much all of them be so completely arcing and wrapping up and a whole thing per character in one season so tightly so well done um yeah. i was gobsmacked i really was one of I the guess. best seasons i've seen of anything for a while and i think on, on top of that not just i'm no man i'm sorry you that, that's the second good. time you tried no go for it I was just going to say, this is my favorite show I've ever seen. Like, hands mm. down, this one season of television is m- the, I'll say the best. I don't know about my favorite. There are a few things that I have, like, just, like, a lot of love in my heart for. But, like, I think it is the best on-screen season of television, especially as a one-off season. It's just a great season of television. I think maybe Lindelof tells stories better when it's just a short series. It's just... Mm nine ten episodes yeah because when he did lost for six seasons and he did uh the leftovers for three or four seasons or something like that and he has to try and make it last that long and then wrap up everything and that that's when it falls apart so i almost want to say that if he comes back and does a season two it should not even be attached to this it should be something like a completely different story without in, it being like in a the sequel universe to this. but not connected yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yeah maybe keep a couple of the characters like obviously angela we want to find out what happened with her yeah you know and maybe a, a one or two other characters and not try to make a continuing arc that's going to go f- for seasons and seasons you know mm-hmm. well the thing with lindelof like his the way that he tells stories or he likes to tell stories it seems is to jump back and forth in time so mm-hmm. this was the perfect material for him where that's built in to the story where time all time exists at once yeah so it, it was a really good match for the creator and the creation and one thing that we know for sure is that if they do make a second season of this show he is not coming back yeah he, he's he's already stated he's made it clear i had the story i wanted to tell i told it and that's what I came to do. And HBO wanted a, a second season, and uh, and he he told them that if they want to make a second season, that's up to them. But he's not going to be the one to make it. Yeah, and Regina Regina King says that she's not going to come back if he doesn't come back. I think mm-hmm. he said if he has an idea, he'll come back. But he said he said he has no idea, and he never planned to do a season two. But if he if if an idea comes to him, he might come back and make it. And mm-hmm. there's a history of that with HBO, like um, letting people kind of breeze in and out, make a season, leave for a while. Like Curb Your Enthusiasm has like twelve seasons over like seventeen years, or whatever. I don't yeah. even know. It's, it's like they keep coming back and then leaving for a couple of years, then coming back and. And I'm fine with that because you know the British television does that a lot. You know if 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 you don't have a story to tell, then you don't have you don't have to come back the next season, and just mm-hmm. just because you're supposed to be there. That's you how know? you get filler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, when you I, have I, to come back year after year, and you have to continue adding on to your story, you know, telling the meat of the story before you know what the ending is going to be. That's how you end up getting, uh, you know, meandering television. That's how you end up getting lost. Yeah. Where 
and not like the you know the verb getting lost, but the yeah. show lost. Where well, in his defense, I believe it was him and the other creator that was on at that point around season three or four. They went to the network during Lost and they said, Abrams? "We, uh, well, no, I don't. I think it was whoever had taken over because Abrams wasn't really active anymore. It was mm-hmm. Lindelof and Orsi? Is that right? Yeah, I think it was Maybe. Orsi. A- anyway, the the two the two main uh, showrunners went to the studio." Uh, NBC, I think it was. ABC. And said, ABC. ABC. That's right. And they said, uh, look how bad these couple episodes are. That's what's going to keep happening if you don't let us set an end date. And they decided it was going to be six seasons. Around season four, they like made the deal. They're like, we need to have an end in mind. So at least he, he wanted to do that, but the studio system kind of like was keep pushing, kept pushing them to make more episodes. He's like, yeah, because this, this show is like, it's, stay, it's staying so top in the top of the ratings, you've got to keep making it for 20 mm-hmm. years, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, so let's talk about some of these, uh, characters, uh, these individual characters, uh, sister Knight, played by Regina King, Angela Abar played by Regina King. Uh, what do you guys think of her? Buzz, you haven't got a chance to say a whole lot. What do you think? I, it's cause I'm still getting that coffee down me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So it's only four AM. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I wasn't sure where that was all going at first, and I, I think it probably took two episodes before I really sort of fell in love with that character. Um, I, I, in terms of of depth and and bringing it to the screen, I thought she did such an amazing job, and um, I don't really know where to deep dive into the character uh it's so it's so complex how they weaved everything together i'm trying to think at what point did did she really become a thing i don't know if someone can help me out with that one um i think they did something very clever by not introducing the characters we knew about until like episodes two and three mm-hmm. like uh dr manhattan doesn't come in for a while ozymandias is kind of there and mm. uh and um oh gosh what's her name the uh a female uh, Lori Blake. Yeah, Lori. thank you, Lori Blake. Uh, Le- Lori Blake doesn't show up. I think until episode three. I think that's Silk right. Spectre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Silk Spectre. Mm, yeah. Um, so, so what I think they did really cleverly was the first two episodes are about um, uh, Angela, and you mm. really have to like be because I think if they'd had those characters in those first two episodes, you they would have overshadowed her. But she got to have yeah. her own thing for a while, and then you're like, you got invested. At least I did. Yeah, but you would have insti- you would have instinctively gravitated towards Laurie and Adrian mm-hmm. because yeah. they're the ones from from the comics, so they must be the leads, right? And then you you wouldn't have attached yourself to uh, Angela and to um, Looking Glass the way that you're supposed to. Because it's yeah, all it, she's leading everything at first. Yet I, it was only really when everything started to unfold that I really fell in love with the character. Not that I didn't like her initially. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it, I think it was really well done how they strung that out. And then she, she's the linchpin of like everything, really. Yeah. I, I yeah. It's her, also her. some world building that they had to do because they, uh, mm. um, it's, it's in the same world that we've seen before in the comics, but things have changed. And they wanted to, set, they wanted to make sure that they set that up before they bring it, started bringing in stuff that we already knew. I mean, they, mm. they had to set up the fact that all of the cops wear masks now and uh and they had to set up that there's this white supremacist group that all dress like rorschach you know yeah (laughs) and even small stuff like the fact that 
all of the vehicles are electric. You know, oh, even yeah. though even though it looks like an old beater truck, it's an electric vehicle. You know, mm-hmm. well, and that's because in the comics they had invented. I think it was um, Ozymandias and Manhattan had invented that technology. They also because in the Pedipedia, if you read in the first the first. The first after the first episode, they talk about how because they created certain technologies, and then because of the uh, destruction of New York with the squid, mm-hmm. uh, they believed it was because of the technologies they were working on. So new technology advancement stopped. And so if you mm. notice, there's no cell phones on the show. I didn't yeah. notice that. It's crazy. Well, yeah, because they have yeah people go to that booth to try and call Doctor Manhattan all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Greg. But there were so many bits like that. We're like, what? I, they left it. Yeah. Like, I liked that we didn't have stuff explained too early. And it was like, it must have been episode three or four. And I was just like, okay, I'm just going with this now. Because I've mm-hmm. got. And, mm-hmm. and the point I realized who Jeremy Irons was playing. Um, like, and, and just, ah, right. Now I'm getting a sense of where you might be going, where this sits, how it's going to unravel. And just the more we went into it, I did the grin on my face every episode. Mm-hmm. I did. And got, I got behind with it. So at one point I had four episodes, and I think I sat down about mm-hmm. 10 p.m. I thought, I'm just going to watch an episode of Watchmen. Uh, I just binged what I had. <laughs> I was like, no, I need the rest now. <laughs> that, that, that's how I started. I, I made a mistake. I started with four episodes that were that were backed up. So I went with episode one through episode four, and then I had to wait till the next week. <sighs> I was shot. <laughs> I was watching it from the beginning. I watched it from episode one and watched it weekly. And yeah, it was uh, every episode when it was over, you're like, what? It's only been on for like 20 minutes. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> it was my, my wife doesn't binge, but, uh, you know, we watched the first episode and I, I guess maybe because everybody had been saying how great it was. Uh, it wasn't that I didn't like it, but it was just like, all right, that was fine. And then we didn't go back for like a week and a half. And it wasn't, a, you know, a conscious, well, that wasn't all that great, so let's not watch it. It was just, we just didn't. You know, we had other things to do and, and you know, got the kids and all, all that stuff. But then after it, after episode two, <clears throat> it was like we swallowed the hook and couldn't stop. And when we got to, how many episodes were there? Eight? Nine. Eight or nine? Nine. 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 We, we like the last night we watched it, we started on episode six. We watched episode six, and I was like, You want to watch another one? And she's like, Yeah, which one more isn't unusual for her. But we get to the end of seven, or you know, it, whatever it was, we, we, you know, had one more episode to go, and it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, Another one? And she's like, Yeah. <laughs> and that is, that is completely unheard of. And then when we get to the end of it, we're like, that was the last one. Damn. <laughs> but she was stepping up. What, what, what happened? <laughs> well, um, but actually, I would, if they never did another series, I would be totally cool with where that ended. Because that was, that was a beautiful question mark ending, you know? Yeah. Very Inception. Yeah. It, it's so, so brilliantly packaged. And it's so rare that you find that, especially with a first season. A single yeah. season, a show comes out, it it opens up, it builds its own universe uh, on its own two legs, it's so strong. Uh, this one had the added benefit of being based on the original 12-issue uh, comic series, 
and every connection that they make going back to that comic is rock solid. Mm-hmm. And you get to the end of the season and they have put together their finale knowing full well, we don't need to continue after this. We're going to write an ending that can stand on its own. It allows for the possibility of continuing, but it doesn't have to. And for it to be so well tied up at the end and be just one beautiful season of television that doesn't need more. It's so incredibly rare to find. And on top of that, even it's a show that you can go back, you can rewatch this season and find so much. Mm. And you notice so much that you didn't beforehand. I was doing that because I, I did a rewatch over the past like week and a half, um, especially you know, knowing how it turns out every scene with uh, Adrian knowing fr- from the jump mm. when I start the season, knowing where he is and realizing, Oh, every episode of this season is another year of his time there yeah. knowing that. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I paid attention. I'm pretty sure that every episode there's, there's you, another you, candle. You, yeah. You see the cake at least once and there's another oh, candle, yeah. which once you know what's going on, you can say, Oh, so it's a year has gone by since we saw him last episode and to follow that through knowing that all the timing works out with when the satellite comes by to when he gets picked up by the ship to when he gets back to earth, when he gets, uh, un, when he gets, uh, ungolded. Yeah. <laughs> Everything just lines up so, so smoothly. Yeah. It's, I loved it. It was a well like, machine. Yeah. It was like episode six or seven before we even find out that what's happening with him is not simultaneous with what's going on with the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, people may have figured it out. I didn't figure it out until they told me. <laughs> I was watching. What the hell is like? What is going on? Like, because it, it, it's just. I think that's some of the stuff that hook, kept me hooked in. Because it's like, what is he doing? And then when he has the performance and just yeah. fries the guy alive, like, what the? Yeah, yeah. And when they when they launch him in that with that catapult, and then he's all of yeah. a sudden he's out in space. I'm thinking. He went through a wormhole or something, but no, yeah, he just like he's just outside the gate. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize. Well, he, he's been on another planet the whole time, or he's been on what was it, Europa? Yeah. Europa, yeah. yeah, the whole time. Um, I love so. Jeremy Irons in this. Yeah, he he just they they just went like totally took the reins off him and said, "Chew all of this mm-hmm. scenery we're building for you, <laughs> and when you're done, we'll build you some more to eat." And it was beautiful. I will forget. So I've got two things in my brain now, and that's all I can hold. One, <laughs> uh, going back to Boz, what you were saying when you first started, um, this show, you just like when did you get hooked on the show? And Regina King's performance is, like you said, one of the best ever because you see so many facets of her, even in that first episode. You see the total badass, and you see the person who is like got this trauma and you see the person who is caring and like, it's mm. she nails it. She nails every aspect. And when um, she's on that drug thing and she's experiencing that, that her performance there was just oh, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Just my favorite episode. Incredible. And uh, tying into what you guys are saying now, one of the best things about this show is it is the, the, I don't know if you call it pacing, but the rate at which information is 
uh, dropped, questions are asked and answers are revealed. Because every, maybe, you know, they'll start you off and you're like, what the, f- yeah, you know, what the fuck was that? Like, that doesn't make any, trip, we're doing trip, like, if, especially if you don't know the comic. Like, okay, is that still, is that still a thing? And why are, why are the squids? Why are the squids? Why yeah. the squids? <laughs> and <laughs> this would be a good t-shirt, actually, just why the squids? Uh, it's raining squids. Sorry. Just, just squids in question mark. Squids. <laughs> and, no uh, <laughs> So, like, there'll be a few. They'll put some what the f moment, and they'll they'll give you like two or three episodes to kind of figure it out. And obviously, meanwhile, the other story is progressing. And like, so so, <laughs> top two what are the f moments or top three. Uh, the first episode, just various things in the first episode. Like, what is this? What is that? What does that mean? What does that mean? Uh, him, I guess the, I, it wasn't so much a what the F, like the whole, his, Adrian's whole life was kind of, it made its own kind of sense, but clearly you're like, okay, what does this have to do with the main story? And the scene where he just, he goes to the lake and he just fishes out people, like, like <laughs> yeah, like he, like yeah, he, like that, that, that scene really... just pops him in the microwave while he's eating his cake. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> what really freaked me out was when he put him in that uh, centrifuge or whatever. Turn it on, they're in there screaming, and he's just sitting and having a piece of cake like it's nothing. <laughs> what? What is? It? What? What? <laughs> and when he's just like picking them out of the lake and throwing some aside, like they're. The, nah, not a good one. Not yeah. ripe yet. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, just exactly. Just oh, casually so throw him back into the water, and it's just, so weird. I, you, you have to assume if he's doing that, then they exist in that lake. But still, the visual of just throwing a baby into the lake, yeah, such yeah. casual disregard for life. That's an odd visual to see. You'd have him put him in the in the chamber, and you hear the babies wailing all the way up to you know grown adults screaming. One uh, of my all, favorite things, also is- disturbing. In any like, when you world build without explanation, without without explicit explanation, but it makes sense so that any person who's paying attention can. Oh, okay, well that's that. Like like the electric car. It's like oh okay, mm-hmm. uh, oh, okay. I guess they're doing that. That makes sense. Or or yeah. I mean I, I can't think of other examples from other shows because it's late. But yeah, like when when they just do a thing and. They don't tell you why they're doing the thing because if you were actually in that world, you wouldn't explain. Okay, well, I'm not putting food in a microwave and I'm pushing the button because that's what heats up my. I know you just do it. Yeah, and, uh, the, the, this is the point. You, you're familiar with this practice, of course, but this is the point where I open up the drawer and I put this dog in the drawer and I close it and I push the button to incinerate the dog for it is unnecessary. <laughs> They don't explain that. You just see that happen. They don't say this is a cloning facility where we make new pets. No, they just, it's clear. You just see what's happening. You put it together. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Actually, I have a show don't it. tell kind of thing. You know, you get a lot of, uh, a lot of stories that feel like they have to drop uh, exposition in the stories. And you, a guy will be talking to his wife who obviously knows him and he'll say, well, as you know, I grew up in an orphanage. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> I hate that stuff. And I love, I love the blue telephone boxes and <laughs> how long they leave it. And you're like, what is the significance of these blue telephone boxes? Uh, there isn't one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, there was a little bit. 
There is. Actually, I haven't watched it since I initially watched it. I didn't. I didn't do a rewatch for this show. Although I, I, I loved it. I just hadn't had time. But. Same here. Same here. Uh, the, the significance. I mean, it was the, introducing the idea of Lori Blake and that. But the significance mm-hmm. eventually, though, was that Lady True owns all of those, and she was basically using them because people are basically using them to pray to Doctor Manhattan, mm-hmm. and she's basically just collecting all their prayer prayers for the data mining. Right, and that's how she oh, like okay. knows a lot of what's going on. And I loved Gene Smart as Laurie Blake, an, an older version yeah. of Laurie Blake. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, of course. I, I mean, I, uh, she's great in everything I've ever seen her in. You know, she's just a a tough old broad. You know, <laughs> uh, she was great in. Uh, I used to love her in Designing Women, but you know, she's been in tons of stuff since. And she was in Fargo a couple of seasons back, and then I thought she did a good job in this too. She absolutely nailed it. Uh, pulled off the character brilliantly, uh, and l- let us know <clears throat> without, again, without a lot of uh, explicit exposition, but just through her performance, gave us everything we needed to know about what has happened to the character since the original comic, hmm. um, all the way up through um, her having a pet owl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's so brilliant, good. and my 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 that favorite. Yeah, ex- yeah, that's. That was I was just go, I was just going there. It's nope. my, my nope. favorite one-off image. They don't explain it. They don't give you any insight. It's just she opens up this case, and there's this great big branded Doctor Manhattan sex toy with a movie in it. That's a parody of her own relationship. Yes. Did, did you know that has particular item has a name, a brand name? No. It's apparently called the Excalibur. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it's probably available in real life. <laughs> in the Pedipedia, they, they do have a little bit of weird uh, uh, world building in the Pedipedia about that. One of the things that PD collects is a um, oh gosh, what's it, like a blueprint of that device of the Excalibur. <laughs> and, uh, it, that's what it, I saw. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's branded. <laughs> like the company that made it is the company that her boyfriend, uh, the owl, whatever Dan. it is, mm-hmm. Dan, Dan Dryberg, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the company that Dan owns made that. So like real weird, her new boyfriend made a sex toy based on her old boyfriend. And then she uses it. It's real strange. <laughs> yeah. And not only that, but she, she uses that with a movie that is parodying her own life. And yeah. at, at the same moment, it's, to us as the viewer, it's hilarious mm-hmm. that Dr. Manhattan has a sex toy made after him and that she's about to use it. And it's also incredibly sad. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To, well, that to, was kind of the whole that, that in, in conjunction with her in, in the Dr. Manhattan phone box and trying to tell him a joke. I, yeah, she was with Dan and yet clearly Dan is uh, in prison these days. Um, and now she's working for the fed. So who knows where that relationship is, but it, it becomes you know, painfully obvious that she's still in love with Dr. Manhattan and, and has never stopped feeling that way. But now she's trapped with, uh, you know, both of her relationships out of her reach. And now she's just stuck fighting against what she used to be. So many layers to the character. It's a show. So fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's like one of the, the, primary things we saw about the heroes in the original comic and in the, in the movie was how 
their uh, what's the right word? There's, there's got to be a better term than fucked up, but I can't think of one. <laughs> how their their sex drives you know were tied into their their aggression and their their uh, you know like that wonderful scene in in uh, in in the movie. I can't remember if it came out of the comic or not. Where Silk Spectre and Night Owl couldn't get off with each other unless they had just finished beating up a bunch of bad guys. Yeah, and exactly. I remember people objecting to that scene. They were like, oh, that was gratuitous. I was like, no, you're completely missing the point of yeah. that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and all of that was that that was one of the parts of the of the movie that was very accurate to the comic. They did have the scene where they tried to be with each other um at uh you know in, in the apartment and Dan couldn't perform. Yeah. Uh because you know of it was the the existential dread of everything that was going on and him feeling powerless, it extended to that as well. Then they put on their suits again, they went out and they did some heroing, they uh uh you know, they saved people from a fire and all that. And that helped them both to feel alive again. And then they were able to do that. Uh, I think it might've been a little bit on the nose with the, uh, and I, I think they did this in the comic book as well with the accidentally hitting the flamethrower button on the, on the airship <laughs> yeah. at just that particular moment. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. a little bit heavy handed. It was definitely in the comic book. I remember that panel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but go, um, going back to. It, our... it ends up with Zack Snyder, you know, uh, creator of sucker punch. Yeah. So I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Bob. I was like going back to the uh, Silk Spectre character later on, and and how she sort of renounced the costume side of it, and now she's doing the exact opposite, hunting down um, masked vigilantes and so on. Um, I did see a sort of an anal- analysis of her character that said that finding out her dad was a comedian, and how she almost becomes like him in that po- portion of her life. She's about the guns and the, you know, just being violent, basically. Um, so she's sort of gone from what her mother wanted for her to being like her father was. And then sort of by the end of all this, she sort of comes full circle again. Um, a- again, just a full character arc. And I, I, I didn't pick up on that. I, I like it when these people sit down and nerd out and put it on a YouTube video for us. Cause yeah. sometimes I do need that shit explained, but, um, mm. I was like, Oh yes, that's really good. <laughs> well, I think Angela kind of went through the same sort of arc when she found out that her grandfather was the, what, what did he call himself? Hooded Justice. Hooded Justice, yeah. yeah. And I, I thought that was a, that. A, a brilliant turn. Uh, yeah. Especially, you know, taking it from the comic where uh, it, it was clear from, from the art that was a white guy in the comic book. Mm. Yep. But uh, one, one of the cleverest uh, examples of subverting expectations yeah. was to say, and this guy was Hooded Justice and he put on makeup to make it, he put on white face under his hood. So people wouldn't know who he really was. But in fact, this was the guy. And that was not hinted at at all in the comic book. The closest yeah. we got, they even paid mention of it uh, in in the series where people thought that it was a uh, Russian, uh, was it wrestler, wrestler, circus performer? Yeah, yeah. circus performer, wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, um, Lindelof talks about that. And he talks about <laughs> the fact that he... Uh, chose he looked he he was he, he scoured the books they'd actually asked him to do this series before but he'd never found a way in and then he'd look through the books for like what is the story that's missing and he realized in the books every one of the other original watchmen or the minutemen i think they're called in that yep. at that era uh knew each other's names but they only ever called hooded justice hj and you never see him without his hood he's the only character who's this mysterious character and he started thinking like why would that character 
in the fifties not reveal his identity to to even his friends, his partners. And that's when he like that's when that idea came to him. And then he and then all of the stuff about racial justice and Tulsa and all that stuff like was born of that idea of that missing identity of H of the Hood of Justice. Mm-hmm. You see, for me, I, I excuse my ignorance, but obviously <laughs> being over here and whatever, I, I knew nothing about Tulsa until I saw this. Me neither. Um, You're not and, alone. And, I didn't know. Then, I mean, I, I had heard, I had heard I that there was a, a riot in Tulsa, but I did not. And I know, you know, in television, they can, you know, they can expand on things and everything. But I went back and looked at the history after I saw the episode, and it really was. Mm. There was a very, a very big riot in Tulsa at that time. Yeah. I didn't realize it was as big I, I as, would, it is, as it was. I would take objection to the term riot. It was a massacre. It's the only example of Americans bombing other Americans from the air. It's the only time that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. why I thought it was. Um, that's why I initially on seeing it, I thought it was a fictionalization. Like, you know, the, they play with it's close to what reality oh, was. And, yeah. yeah. And I thought yeah. they were changing stuff again. I thought, you know, I thought, yeah, I had to go and look and I thought, fucking hell, unbelievable. Like yeah. I said, um, I knew, and then I knew of course that... it all flares up recently and I'm like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> timing. I, oh, I, I wonder that, if uh, that would have happened yeah. if, if it weren't for Watchmen, I wonder how many people would have, would have, I wonder if the people who like planned that rally would have known about it. If yeah, they had, yeah. if it hadn't been for Watchmen, I think Watchmen like, Made that known to white America, basically. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I knew that I knew that something had happened in Tulsa, but I didn't know about the bombing and all that kind of stuff. So I thought that since this was an alternate timeline, an alternate history, that they were making it bigger than it really ha- than what really happened. Until mm-hmm. you go back and then read the history, and then you find it. No, that's it's pretty spot on what happened. <laughs> you guys want me to get really nerdy with the timeline <laughs> stuff? <laughs> Sure. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm I'm really interested in the alternate history part of this, and like I really love talking about time travel and splitting timelines and all that kind of stuff. And if you read all the Pedipedia, you find out the movie he's watching at the beginning of the at the beginning of the film or the the, the season, uh, uh, boss whatever. The, Bass the, Reeves. Bass Reeves. Thank you. I'm so bad at remem- remembering certain details, <laughs> um, but Bass Reeves is. The, the 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 guy who directed that movie was a real director who directed a bunch of other movies, but that movie was fake. And that movie goes on to inspire Hooded Justice. Mm-hmm. So if you connect that, like that's the earliest nugget of a difference we have. But the in character, the, the character in that movie was a real. I mean, that movie was about yes. a real person. Yes, yes, yes. And it, it was. was a real director, but that actual movie never existed. The actual yeah. movie didn't exist. So that's the earliest difference we have in the Watchmen universe from our own. Is this film, and then William grows up to be hooded justice and he inspires all the other heroes. So it is possible that that existence of that movie is what branches the timelines. I really like that. Yeah. <laughs> D, okay, let's talk about uh, uh, Dr. Manhattan. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce the actor's name. If someone else wants to try, go for it. Um, but If I had it in front of me, I might, but yeah. I don't. <laughs> it's, like, yeah, it's like Yahya Abdul-Mateen II or something like that. So I guess I lied. I am going to try to pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> and he plays Cal, Dr. Manhattan. Um for one thing, from the from a looks aspect, Doctor Manhattan looks a lot different than he did in the 
Zack Snyder movie, they didn't try to make Dr. Manhattan like glow all the time. You know, like in the Dr. Manhattan in the movie was glowing all the time, you know, mm-hmm. and there's certain times he was just blue. He's just a blue dude that for some reason they felt like they had to show his dick a lot. <laughs> like that's it, canon. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're that, why would you care? Yeah. If, well, yeah, that, and if, if my dick was that big, I'd probably show it off too. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but again, that's, that's kind of one of the, the reason for it isn't just, you know, let's put a big blue schlong on the screen. It's the fact that like John just said, Dr. Manhattan has gotten to a point where he no longer connects to people. Mm. And so Shane, he's like, I'm naked. Really, oh, who cares? Sense. And it, you know, it, it, that it, when, when, the movie came out, everybody was constantly bitching about Manhattan's penis. It was either, you know, either commenting on it or going, did we have to see that much blue dick? You know, how many <laughs> three know, times how many or something time? in over two hours? <clears throat> it's not even that much. I, I, yeah. I thought it was going to be in my face the whole time. I, was like, well, I didn't even notice, actually. Like, <laughs> there was breasts. No one would be complaining. Let's be exactly. Honest. Exactly. exactly. There were breasts in that movie and no one was complaining about it. Exactly. That's what I'm <laughs> I <saying>. sure was. <laughs> uh, the, only, but- the only time the dick bothered me, <laughs> and this is so stupid, but I've been, I've been <laughs> holding on to this comment for like two months now. At the very end, uh, when uh, um, I can't think of her name now, uh, Regina King's character, uh, Angela. Angela? Angela. Angela is like Manhattan's about to be disintegrated. And she's on the ground in front of him. And there's like no way to avoid the fact that, you know, getting a, a close up of her face, his dick is going to be right behind her head. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, they decided to stop being anatomically correct. And it looked like a damn polygon, you know, and an uh, unfinished polygon rendering. And it was just like a, a rectangle with a triangle on top of it. And it, it was, it was more bothersome to me that it wasn't realistic than that it was there if it had just been there i would have just went all right that's you know that's it wouldn't have it pulled me out i didn't notice but i i, I, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean I, I, I i'm not disputing you i just i'm just I no i i i'm not i would have been surprised if any of y'all had noticed it but it's been bugging <laughs> the crap out of me <laughs> You say about his sort of disconnectedness from human beings, and of course that's his whole story arc in this one, um, yeah. which um, sort of humanizes him. Well, it does. Yeah, <laughs> literally. literally. But he he literally gets to experience like what it really is to love someone, and he just uh, yeah. And you get this kind of savior moment at the end, then. But it's all. It, what is the line? I'm experiencing every moment together all at once right now, or something like yeah. that's mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's, that's our goal. Every, every moment, every moment that we were together, yeah, all at once, mm. and it's possible that I rolled a tear when I saw that episode for the first time. Yeah, yeah me yeah. too. Yeah, and it that is, was his whole arc in the comic was that he was he was being becoming less and less human mm. to the point that he took. Uh, I, was it Laurie or was it her mother that he took to Mars with him, and he didn't re- he even didn't even realize that she was suffocating. Oh, you yeah. might need some oxygen. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I just... Every every character... I won't say you like them in this show, 
But I kind of like every even the complete assholes are <laughs> kind of charming or at least interesting. And the characters yeah. that you think you'll hate are so well written. Like Adrian's a complete asshole. He's a I don't know sociopath is the right word, but kinda. Oh, for sure, and, narcissist. And, but yes, yes, the embodiment of narcissism. But he's still kind of like you. Still kind of like him, like. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's because everyone has a plan, and the people who don't have a plan are trying to figure out the plan. Like, for the, like I don't. However, they did it. Every single character is a character that I was happy to see on the screen. Yeah, like, cool. oh, it's a so like there were, there wasn't any part as they were jumping between, and and this happened. You know, this happened with Game of Thrones. This happened with other shows that are huge ensemble casts. <laughs> Oh, this is a part of the show where we got to follow up on their storyline. Okay, fine. And we'll, we'll slog through it for five or ten minutes. And okay, now back to the story I really care about. But yeah. there wasn't any part like that. I, I wanted to know every part of everyone's story. It was- there was no brand in this season. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was worried that it was going to be Glass, actually, because he wasn't gelling with me. And I'm, I'm beginning to think it was just a, a personal prejudice because I just found that when he put that silver thing over his head that he just oh, had right. a really weird shaped head and it just kind of found really put me <laughs> off um I, I but like when, when we get to his story and squid day i love oh it. that was superb love okay, you so much so, okay, just yeah even the I, ones i thought i didn't care about by the end of that season they just pulled it straight back around and it's just like yep they're all, they're all I, like, I like him before that because he was one of the characters where, okay, he's got a thick accent. Or you think, oh, I've seen this character a hundred times, but you, no, mm. you haven't. You, have, you don't know this character at all. Tim Blake Nelson. Kind of surprising. Yeah. Tim Blake Nelson, I've always liked him because, I mean, he pretty much talks like that's the way he yes. pretty much talks. I've never seen him not do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he didn't do that in uh, uh, The Incredible Hulk. He's done it in, in just about everything I've ever seen him in. He talks. If if he doesn't speak like that in real life, he's known a lot of people that do because <laughs> because <laughs> the, the part of the country that I live in, I, I I could throw a rock and hit somebody that talks exactly like that. <laughs> I don't remember him in the Hulk either. Who was he? Uh, he was um, I, I can't remember the uh, the character's name, but uh, Doctor I think Samuel something. Uh, by the end of the film, they were sitting. Oh, the leader. The, yeah, the leader. Yeah, yeah. they're sitting. Oh, okay. right. I didn't remember. He was, I remember that was him. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I've gotten that. Yeah, my one of my favorite things about Watchmen, and I know we're getting close to an hour. I just want to mention it before the music is the is used more effectively in the show than I've ever seen music used. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that they not only set mood with music, but like the concepts of the song tie together with every scene so well. Uh, when um, they're telling William's story through Angela's flashbacks after she's taken that drug, mm-hmm. and the song uh, "The Way Things Used to Be" comes on, and it's like this nostalgic song for the past. But he's going through this horrible, horrible, uh, you know, racism, and it's just it's just superbly done. And my favorite of the entire thing is um, "Every Time You Go Away" mm-hmm. by Hall and Oates plays while um, her grandmother dies, and it's like her hope, but it's also her experiencing it as William because now she has all of William's memories of her as well. And so it's like her losing her, her grandmother who was hope to her, but also losing 
the woman she has now grown to know as her wife through these memories Mm -hmm. and she watches her die and, and it's just, Oh man. And every time you go away comes on and it's, it's the best use of music I think I've ever seen in anything. So good. Every, all the songs and all the music in the, uh, the cafe, Dr. Manhattan episode, all have blue in the title or like it's, Oh dear. Yeah. Um before we end, I want to talk about the ending. Um and what we what we think happened. And if they have a season two, where what do you think will happen? Um so she Angela found an egg in the refrigerator. All the other eggs were broken, and there was one egg that wasn't. She ate that egg, and you know, we had, had that whole thing in the cafe earlier where Dr. Manhattan said that he could put his power into an object like this egg. And then if someone ate it, then possibly they would be able to do what he could do or whatever. And then we see her step off. Like she's going to step in, step onto the pool and possibly walk on it. And then we cut the credits. So I think she's alone. She can't, we find out she can't swim and no, no. (laughs) I personally think that if a season, if a season were to come, uh, it would be like, five years later or something like that. And we wouldn't find out until mid season if, uh, if it happened or not, you know, I think if they make a season soon, the, the season opens with her falling directly in the pool, but over the course of the season, her powers get revealed. That's how I think they would play it. Mm, yeah, probably. So you think it, she doesn't have them and then they start to emerge or something like that. I, I think, I think you're both right. I think, uh, if they do it, like, the first couple of episodes, you would just see her. When you see her, if you see her, she it, it would be it's like some unrelated story, and then you know episode like three, like the, somebody that these characters that we now know from the first two episodes are in some dire situation, and new Doctor Manhattan appears, and she's she's fully realized. But like you say, it'll be years later, and initially she fell in the pool, and it takes time for her powers to emerge. I this may be an unpopular opinion. I'm not going to say I didn't like the ending because I did like the ending, but I think, and I'm fine with the ambiguity of it, but I would have preferred it. I think if they had cut it sooner, if they, instead of having her foot hover over the water, if, if they cut it after she found the egg or even after she'd just eaten the egg and closed her eyes and opened her eyes, it's, you still don't know if it worked. You still like, it's, it's the same point, but I feel like it was, an unnecessary because that after she eats the egg to the point she puts her foot on the water is you know, like two minutes, give or take. Yeah. And I feel like it was only stretching it out so that you could stop before she puts her foot on the water. And that to me is, I like to, you're better than that at this point. Like, like there's no reason to do that. If you just want us to not know if she does it or not, stop it at a point that's more of a natural ending. He, he wanted the spinning top from the end of Inception. I'm telling you, that's what yeah. he's going for. I think he really wanted that visual of mm. her. And that visual is in my mind. I don't know if her having eaten an egg is in my mind, but the like question of whether she can walk on water that's, is like indebitably burned. Because that was the last scene. If she had eaten the egg and then looked at the camera, that would be in your mind. <laughs> I, <would argue. laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I think if they did do another series, that, like because we have generations of masked vigilantes do you think they do the forming of the next minuteman watchman the relockman would could be the next one i, I, I don't know like 
just <laughs> a new new big bad comes up and people start to put masks on and get one. We've already got police wearing masks. Maybe you get a splinter group there. I don't know, but it could be an interesting. Yeah, I, and the, the possibility of forming the next generation of heroes, I think, is a uh, a, a possible direction they could go. Uh, if they're going to tell another story in the universe that is not necessarily a continuation of the main plot of this season, um, I think they need to pick a few threads that were that were not explored much at all from this first season, expand on that in the second season, and try to leave as much of the main plot from season one either in the past or in the background. Hmm. Like so, for example, the big question is whether or not Angela uh, was given the powers of Doctor Manhattan. I I tend to believe that uh, she did uh, get his powers from that egg. So they can just have mentions in the background of news reports that you know is Doctor Manhattan returned, and you know people don't know who it really is, <clears throat> and we just see reports that oh, there's apparently a Dr. Manhattan type figure that's out in the world doing stuff, but that's not what we're focusing on this season. We had enough focus on Dr. Manhattan last season. We don't need to do it again. Um, uh, however, there was uh, a few mentions of Dan Dryberg in the first season. I would love to see what they do with that character. Who's that? Let's focus on his time in prison and the whether owl. or not he's going to get out. Night, yeah. Night, Night owl. owl. Yeah. Let's focus on um, uh, Adrian Veidt being declared not dead and also being very under arrest for the murder of a whole bunch of people. 30 million. Let's look at his, you know, he, he had that pig trial on Europa. Now let's have a real trial. Yeah. Let's see what happens with that. Rick, what about you? You know, the only thing that, that I, I, I don't, I don't know what I would want to see. I, I honestly, uh, the only thing about this series, this series that didn't, really work for me was how traditional Lady True ended up being as just a, a, a comic book villain and how her final plot was just kind of unraveled and, and defeated. And it, and it wasn't that it was bad. It's just the rest of the show was so left turn, left turn from, from what you expect from this kind of show to have the villain be so, normal kind of villainous it, it it was jarring to me and i don't know that i could say how to fix that but i i couldn't disagree more about lady true because i don't think she's a villain i don't think she ever does anything wrong and that's what i find fascinating from a moral perspective about this show is um when when vite when when he comes back to like take her down, he's assuming she will use the powers the way he would use the powers to control people. But all she says she wants to do is do good things. Like she wants the powers to destroy our nuclear arsenal and she wants to do all this good stuff. And they just all assume that her getting the powers would be bad. And it's kind of, to me, that's part of his narcissism. And I don't know that Angela having the powers is necessarily any better than Lady True. We never really see her do anything wrong. She's someone who's been wronged and wants to put the world right. And I don't think she's a standard villain at all. I would, 
That's an interesting. I hadn't I, thought I, of it that I, way, but yeah. And, well, uh, yeah, and just to, because her whole idea, the way that she's going to get the powers, is by killing Doctor Manhattan. <laughs> you know, um, well, yeah. When but we, as, he, she, because she like, didn't know about the egg, that's not her fault. Yeah, True. <laughs> she's saying like told her about the, the, you're told about the egg. Sorry, step go ahead, Matt. Oh, I'm sorry, I felt like I was stepping on him. Uh, yeah, she just doesn't. She just wants that power, though, and thinks he's not doing enough with it. So, yes, she's she's willing to make that, like, your life is not worth the lives I could save with your power kind of a trade. That's way uh, too good. Yeah. Plus, I'm going to destroy your whole wing of white supremacists. So, you know, yeah. that's a plus. So, yeah, yeah, she really made a good trade there, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One good life for a lot of shitty ones. <laughs> and, I, and I would say... I don't know if this qualifies, Rick, but I would say the left turn, you know, you kind of presume that she's, you know, the puppet master behind all this, but you don't really know until the end. Like the villain is the is the corrupt politician. And so I would I would say the the non-standard twist would be <laughs> uh, that in a series of I don't know what's coming, I don't know what's coming, I don't know what's coming, the thing that you expect, you're no longer expecting which is when they give you the thing that they expect after you're not expecting it. So it still qualifies. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, and that's, that's why I said, I, I don't really have a, a, a solution for it. I mean, there has to be a final conflict, you know, otherwise people are, you, you can't go color too far out of the lines and be commercially successful. I, I just, I felt her, the, the resolution of her story felt so quote unquote normal compared to the rest of the series. Yeah. I think this is a good place to stop. Um, one thing that I did want to add before we, I, you know, I usually try to bring some facts. The only one that I'll share is that the, this is the second attempt at making a Watchmen TV series. Terry Gilliam was going to make one in the early nineties. Well, that's all you have to say. Yeah. <laughs> he actually did cast. He he actually did cast it. It was going to have Robin Williams as Rorschach, Jamie Lee Curtis as Silk Spectre, Gary Busey as the comedian, and Kevin Costner as Night Owl. Uh, it dissolved because HBO failed to provide a large enough budget for his vision, and he later claimed himself that uh, it would have been unfilmable. <laughs> so I don't know what I don't know what what it was going to be, but you know, there you go. I like Watchmen, no, but the two, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go around the circle and everybody uh, plug your thing. Matt? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, plug my thing, okay. Uh, yeah, StrandedPanda.com has all my stuff, music and all my podcasts and video stuff and all that, all those things. So check right. it out. Scott, when you reach the bottom... <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Prime Direct Pod. Um, that's the Twitter account for my podcast right here on the Cosmic Potato Network, Prime Direction. You can find me on Twitter at Fleet Admiral UFP for my personal Twitter account, uh, usually with a lot of Star Trek stuff, uh, but I don't say much on there these days, so don't get your hopes up. Um, on Facebook, you can find the uh, Prime Direction Facebook group as well as the group for my graphic art business, Planet Rise Creative. Also on Twitter, at Planet Rise, or at my website, mm-hmm. www.planetrisecreative.com. 
And uh, I was going to see, are, are you hosting any panels tomorrow? Uh, me? No, I'm on several. I'm hosting none. No, okay. yes, I am. That's yes, that's wrong. Are. I'm hosting a panel tomorrow morning at oh, 9.45 right. yeah. a.m. Eastern time. Uh, I will be hosting a special live Prime Direction where we will discuss um, the role that the Star Trek franchise has played in people's lives during this year of uh, the multiple dumpster fires <laughs> where everything is going wrong. What do you mean? The world is horrible. <laughs> 2020 has been great. <laughs> you see my costume? I mean, come on. And in, <laughs> in, in these times, I refuse to say these unprecedented times or these trying times that those phrases no longer these difficult mean times, yeah. I am so sick of the word unprecedented. It's like, yeah. I never want to hear it again. Right. <laughs> uh, but in, during this year, uh, considering Everything the year, is fine. Everything is great. Considering the kind of year that it's been, a lot of people uh, who find Star Trek to be very important to them have been turning to Star Trek uh, as a source of comfort, as a source of familiarity, as a source of stability. Uh, So we're going to have a discussion about that, about how it has been helping people and about how it could help people. Anyone that wants to join the conversation, there's still plenty of slots open. So uh, reach out, get in touch, and uh, we'll kick that off uh, tomorrow morning. One day this, this virus is it's like magic. The virus is just going to disappear. It's going to be gone. It's going to be like magic. Mm. If you stop, stop testing, yeah. yeah. Sorry, don't get stop, me started. Stop testing <laughs> and the virus goes away. Just stop testing. All the testing is making us look bad. If you, depression, if, you, if you stop looking at a fire, it doesn't stop burning. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, go ahead. Um... Uh, you can find all my stuff at uh, Cos. No, that's your your network. I'm sorry, guys. It's <laughs> a really, really rough day. It's past his bedtime. Um, yeah, uh, you can find me at uh, starbasecommand.net. Uh, you can find Starbase 66 and Open the Iris and Analyzing Doctor Who and Infinite Diversity and a couple other shows. When I finally get around to uh, releasing them, um, also tomorrow, Saturday, the 27th yep. of June. At 12.30 Eastern, thir- 12.30 Central, 1.30 Eastern, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we will be doing a live Starbase 66 where we will be discussing Gene Roddenberry's vision and all the implications thereof. So tune in. <laughs> all right. And John? I am the host of Captain Game Show. Uh, I don't I'm not hosting anything tomorrow, but I am uh, scheduled to appear on something. I think you're going to be on, on my action. Aren't you doing a Captain no. Game Show tomorrow? No, there's no. Oh, that's Sunday. Sunday. That's Sunday. Oh, that's Sunday. Okay. You're going to be on um actually. You're going to be on movies based on Stephen King stories, and we're playing Cards Against Humanity. Interrupting me. If you want to be on it, gotta say it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I literally just pulled it up. So all the things that he said. I'm sorry, I don't cry. It's the coffee. Yeah. So you can find me on uh, there's a Captain Game Show Facebook page. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, um, and those are probably also in the order of which I maintain 
my social media. So I, I pay most attention to Facebook and after that, Twitter. And I'm, I'm trying to be better about it. But um, new episodes pretty much every week. Um, also, I didn't mention it during the last episode I, that I released or during the live show. But uh, every year, I, there is a hidden game. So in addition to the standard questions and the standard rounds of every, on every episode of Captain Game Show, there is a little clue, a little breadcrumb, uh, sometimes audio, sometimes visual. First year was visual. Last year was audio. This year, it is not audio. <laughs> it's tactile. Uh, <laughs> uh, so if you can unravel the clues... I think the last one should end up being released probably around the end of the year. If I, if I time it right, I'm a, I'm a little bit behind. So, but after all the clues have been collected, you answer the question, you will win a prize at the end of the year. So uh, if anyone cares to invest that much time and or effort, I welcome you. <laughs> That's all right. right. Buzz. Um, yeah. Everything I said at the beginning, plus uh, I am hosting a panel tomorrow because I sort of badgered Sean's with an inch of his life. (laughs) (laughs) Have you got a horror panel? You need a horror panel. Anyway, um, so it's it's worked out really strangely. I was looking at who I could get on and so on. Um, First off, my regular co-hosts are complete shrinky dicks and will not get on camera. So basically, of a three-man team, I'm left there on my own. So I've had to improvise. Um, But what happened is I found out that my good friend mitch harrod from the soho horror festival which is normally in november in london um he's been doing lockdown festivals and getting films from distributors putting on private screening links and we we all have like a facebook chat together and then it goes right here's a link and then we go off and watch a movie that's all happening this weekend um and i was like no a clash but we've managed to marry it quite nicely because um complete fluke the um actor who i asked primarily to come on the show and help me host um happens to be in one of the movies that's world premiering at that event and it's happening directly after our time slot for the little pot of horrors panel so um that's natalie her co-star derek and then towards the end of the show we we hopefully depending on scheduling we'll have the director charlie steeds joining us as well and stepping into the co-host spot uh is my good friend paddy murphy who's also a film director who did a film called the parish last year which is come out to great acclaim and you should definitely look that up i think it's available on blu-ray and so on but um he is great fun and so we will be chairing and then uh, we'll be talking all things vampire because the film is vampire virus so there you go this could be interesting and i am hosting tomorrow at four fifteen central i'm doing um actually which is a game show that i do at panel i mean at every convention that i go to um I might you, be somebody. Did you do that at a at the at a play on con? No. Okay. No, I did it at Magic City Con, and I do it at the Sci Fi Fantasy Festival every year. <laughs> and then uh, I may be on the Star Wars panel tomorrow. I wasn't planning to, but they're trying to they're trying to get me to do it. So I might. And then you, uh, you're going to be on the Starbase. Now I'm going to be on the Starbase, uh, and then. Uh, Movies based on Stephen King stories. We're going to do that tomorrow night at 7. And then at 8.30, this is the announcement I wanted to make. Uh, We were going to screen a movie called Surf Nazis Must Die. 
because we were I was trying to find a movie that I thought was going to be like really bad and easy to make fun of and just have a good time watching it. And then I watched it and uh, and it is all of those things, but there's also a lot of uh, racial slurs. Imagine that in a movie that has Nazis in the title. But uh <laughs> But uh, with all the stuff that's going on in the country right now, I decided, hey, let's we're going to watch, watch something else. So we're going to watch the 1990 movie Captain America um, instead. Still not, as, not as funny. Yeah. <laughs> so you could just do Ghost Shark. That's a really good one. Be sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter or send us a voicemail or text message to 205-642-8380. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. Thank you for joining us for Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast.